0: just because we do feel like the teacher's number one concern is not having enough time. Well, it's all about what you choose to spend your time on.
1: My favorite phrase that has just stuck with me, it would be a sticky note, but I don't even need it to be a sticky note because it's just in my brain. It it, that John Hattie says is instead of choosing what works, because most of what we do in education works, absolutely works best.
2: Podcast PDNC.
1: Where it's not sit and get, it's listen and launch. Five, four, three, two, one, zero.
0: I can pound a nail into a piece of wood using a screwdriver but it's much more effective and quicker if I can use a hammer, use the right tool, then I'm going to get much more leverage.
3: This is a unique episode of Podcast PDNC. Usually we are amplifying the voices of teachers from across North Carolina, sharing pedagogy and promising strategies as a unique way to access the information. Podcast PDNC is learning on the go. It's PD that you can take on a walk or in the car or listen in while you're doing chores. PD with a twist. Well, you just heard the voices of Regina Probst of Catawba County and our own Stacey Lovedahl, who is also a Catawba educator. In this episode, a few members of their district leadership team will be talking about how they are using the right tools and strategies to leverage the impact of professional development for their teachers. So this is a PD podcast on PD. We're going to start with a few introductions. Stacy, we know, but Regina and Terry, can you please give us a brief background on who you are and what it is that you do for Catawba County Schools?
0: Hi, my name is Regina Probes. I am from Catawba County Schools, and I serve as a secondary curriculum specialist. I have 28 years of experience as a teacher and an instructional specialist. I have a master's degree in curriculum and instruction, and I'm National Board Certified. As a classroom teacher, I taught English, French, and ESL. In my role as an instructional specialist, I've been passionate about adolescent literacy and helping teachers in the content areas as they differentiate for all students. Recently, my work has included supporting teachers in personalized learning and best practices for teaching virtually.
4: This is Terry Hall. I am the Director of Online Learning for Catawba County Schools. I am excited to talk about our online virtual academy online, Catawba is the name of it, and we are a fully virtual K-12 academy. We function and operate as a program so that we are able to serve all of the schools while still allowing students the option of having that, you know, on-site, personalized, person-to-person instructional option as well.
1: Catawba County's district leadership envisioned a network of leadership and expertise. They've been working on this for a long time. Marty Sharp, district CTO, and Deanna Finger, the assistant superintendent of curriculum and instruction, work really closely together to build and support and grow leadership in instructional technology and curriculum and and how it fits together. And this, because it's been going on for such a long time, literally years, they have been well positioned to meet the current challenges. In addition to Regina and Terry, who are amazing, there are administrators, coaches, teachers. They all have access to self-paced PD in the form of a PD playground. Um, the opportunity to jump in and attend some Google certification boot camps and earn their Google Level 1 and Level 2 certifications. There is support to... Um, customize curriculum and projects for this current learning environment that everybody is trying to figure out in terms of the, um, the curriculum specialists working really closely with the instructional technology facilitators and everybody working really closely together with the infrastructure, with the IT engineers and the building and um, just all of those pieces that have to go together to make things work successfully.
3: Regina and Stacy, both from Catawba County, are going to chat with us. And the first thing that I think about because I get to work with Stacy is personalized learning. So even though this is a podcast episode where we're going to mostly be talking about professional development and how things are being done a little bit differently in Catawba County in 2020 with PD, could you both just share a little bit about your connection with personalized learning and how that's being run in Catawba County, maybe prior to March 2020? Sure. Stacey, do you want to go
0: first and kind of give the background?
1: Catawba County started a personalized learning initiative a couple of years ago, and they started small. They decided to start with the, the few and the willing and, and keep it very personalized to what those teachers needed at the time. So a little bit of formal PD in kind of a workshop format that the district supported. The thing that ended up making the biggest impact, though, was the monthly coaching program that started off after the workshops what that entailed at first when it was a small group of teachers in schools was one person me going to the school usually in tandem with either the curriculum specialist like Regina or the instructional technology facilitators and working with the group in a in a either a 1 hour longer than your planning period, or in one case, one school was able to give us a whole entire day once a month to work together. And the whole focus was to create products that they could use. It wasn't to provide additional training and topics per se. And so that was the first year. And as things have evolved, it has just gotten more and more and more More people in the existing schools, We've added schools on as the years, the couple of years have gone by. And as that's grown, the importance of branching out into, rather than support, really having a network of personalized learning coaches across the district that could handle the number of schools and the number of teachers who were interested.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's where Regina comes in.
0: So I play a role at two schools of being their personalized learning coach where we meet monthly and we ask them to, uh, we always start with like, what are your successes? What have you tried? And then that way, if they've run into issues or have questions, we can kind of attack those first. And then just most recently, we've started incorporating like a work time so that we can truly have the teachers who are doing things and they feel successful, they can partner up with someone who needs that support or I can work one-on-one with a teacher. But we're still all in one room together so that we can consult the big group as needed. So that's been really helpful. I think we've had people who are on different levels. Some are moving ahead and then others who were who are moving a little bit more slowly, but they're trying smaller things just to kind of put the feelers out. The biggest aha for my group on Monday that I met with at a high school after school, a teacher was saying, gosh, I've got kids who won't watch the video before they come to my math class, and they're at different places, and I really like trying to do the blended piece and the flipping piece, but everybody's at all different spots. And I said, you just made a great argument for personalized learning (laughs) because everyone is at a different spot. And I think the biggest realization for her at that moment was that everybody works at their own pace, regardless for different reasons. I mean, high school students are working more during the days that they're not face-to-face, and it, that needs to be personalized. And so I think they definitely see a need for that, and they're taking baby steps in that direction.
3: So the reason I started with that question is because I see that the foundation that you built in personalized learning not only has influenced the way that teachers are teaching remotely and in hybrid because. If you haven't heard from any of our other podcasts, I know Stacy's mentioned this before, but Catawba County has been in plan B since the start of this 2020-2021 school year. So there's always been that level of hybrid, correct? Mm-hmm. There yes. is a virtual option. Correct, yes. Um, but students have been coming to school since August. So again, there's this, this foundation that's already been built several years in, in progress on personalized learning throughout your schools, K through 12. So, what I was hearing in all of that was not only that personalized learning sells itself right now with every student being at a different place, but there are some things that you mentioned that I think really lead into how Catawba County has been doing professional development as well during this time, both during the emergency and then as this school year started. So, some of the things that I heard was doing like monthly coaching and teachers are getting what they want and what they need Mm -hmm. rather than that idea of. Everybody needs to sit in this training. So like Stacy, you mentioned this too, that they are creating products rather than sitting through something that might be about in theory. So Regina, I know you have quite a few examples of what teacher collaboration has looked like and what some of those same elements you just discussed in personalized learning coaching has translated to how PD works. One of the things that you mentioned is about teacher collaboration, Mm-hmm. So can you share a little bit about how teachers are collaborating when you're talking about professional development and Absolutely. Okay, so
0: I'll start with the collaboration piece. We started in the spring when we had to go home for emergency remote learning. We started really fostering this interest in our collaborative Google folders. We have a folder for every content area and by every grade level as well so that as teachers are creating Whether it is a pathway or a playlist or just something that worked really well in digital learning, the teachers were asked to put those items into those Google folders so everyone would have access to that. So I think that's been a great way for teachers to show leadership to contribute to those Google folders. But also, if you really need an idea, then you've been able to go there and pull something from that. And we also have those posted on our teacher webpage so that they can have easy access to those things. And also our online Catawba director, Terry Hall, she has been holding collaboration sessions for everyone who's teaching virtually. And so those have been really helpful for teachers to get together by the same subject and same grade level. I know she's trying to offer some variety there because we know a strategy that works in um, seventh grade could also be used in eighth grade, and then maybe something that's used in math could also be used in science. So she's really working hard to make sure that those teachers are having an opportunity to talk to each other.
2: Terry, can you talk briefly about those opportunities for virtual teachers?
4: We sort of have one foot in each department. So there's one fit in curriculum instruction, one foot in technology, and it's a really good setup for our district. It just seems to, to work really well. So we have what We call in online learning our learning team meetings. And so the idea with these learning team meetings is to provide a dedicated time one time a month for these job alike type meetings where teachers who are perhaps teaching at a grade level in their building and may be the only one in their building at that particular grade teaching online. So, for example, if we have a third grade teacher in one school teaching third grade online, they don't always have that next person in the same grade to collaborate with. And so the Java-like structure allows us to pull 16 different third grade teachers from 16 different elementary schools together to sort of crowdsource instructional strategies, content, lesson plans, and those kinds of things for teachers to support one another.
2: Okay, so back to you, Regina. Can you say more about the share sessions and Choice PD? How are they different?
0: Every, uh, I guess every second and fourth Friday, we have a share session for teachers by content areas. And the content area teachers will meet for just 30 minutes on a Friday. Cause I know our Fridays tend to be really busy with catching up on attendance and grading and giving feedback, that sort of thing. So our content area teachers will meet for 30 minutes and um, just talk about what's your experience right now? What do you need? Um, What are you doing that maybe I've forgotten about? And then I also ask teachers prior to that on different occasions, "Do you have something you want me to gather in order for us to meet on Friday? What can I be have? What can I have ready?" And so sometimes it's we just need to talk, and sometimes it's, "Hey, I really need something for this topic." So those have been really helpful. Um, and teachers don't have to attend; they're totally optional. And so that's that's another nice thing too. It's not mandated. There's not any pressure that you have to come. Um, You mentioned Choice PD, and that also kind of started in the spring. Catawba County does a really good job of trying to offer summer professional development, and we weren't able to have our summer conference of PD this year, so we really tried to shift gears and offer something different. So over the summer, we offered Canvas courses and Google Classroom courses that contained PD, like I did digital differentiation with another colleague in the elementary school. And then I also offered PSYOP with our ESL director, and I offered Literacy Design Collaborative, which is something that all all of our middle and high school teachers were, were trained in over the course of three years. But our new hires and folks who just needed a refresher, they weren't going to get a face-to-face session. So it was helpful just to put that in Canvas so that folks could access that. We're trying to build up a library of those so that we can continue to offer that choice PD for years to come. Because I think that's going to be valuable when we try to personalize PD for teachers, letting them have a choice from a teacher perspective that has to be communicated that that opportunity is there for me. And there's something that our district leadership does that I feel like helps keep teachers in the know and lets them know, hey, here's what's uh, hot this week and here's where you can get support. And our um, district leadership sends out a top three from our curriculum and instruction department. It's just a Google doc that says top three from CNI the first two items are always something district level. And then the third item is always something by grade level. So we have an elementary, a middle and a high section. And we can go in and put a tech tip or, you know, if it's an email that teachers need to really pay attention to or something that's going on that, that we want them to be aware of. I feel like that top Three from CNI that comes out every Friday morning has been really helpful for reminders. And of course, the share session Google sheet is linked in that document so that they always know I can go back to any Friday's email and get that schedule. Because you know how crazy it is when emails are flying like crazy with kids turning in work and everything. The other thing that has been going really well is that as we've been visiting teacher classrooms and working with teachers on solving problems for, you know, just getting things ready for students digitally, we've been trying to keep our eyes open for exemplars, for teachers who are building really good supportive learning environments or who are creating really good digital assignments. We have been kind of keeping our eye out for those exemplars. Well, our um, assistant superintendent, Deanna Finger, has been highlighting those in a principal meeting and an AP meeting every month. So the neat thing is those teachers get invited to virtually join that principal meeting because all of our principal meetings are virtual now. The teacher will hop in and show their LMS or they will show, um, you know, how their Google Calendar or their Google Classroom or how they're doing things with students. And then principals get to ask questions of that teacher, kind of like a little interview with the teacher. It's, It's not 15 minutes, but the collaboration and the ideas that come from that are amazing. And then just this past week, we decided, gosh, we've interviewed and invited several teachers to those principal meetings. Let's make a chart so that principals can come back to those exemplars and then share at a staff meeting. And we feel like those tiny pieces of embedded professional development are going to make more mileage right now than, you know, a day-long PD, just something hopefully that's timely.
3: Mm -hmm. And I think that you have buy-in, right? Like we talk about how important it is to chunk information when we're talking about students Mm -hmm. and that a 90-minute session where they have to just sit and listen is not going to be effective. Well, same things for adult learners, you know, and I really love that idea that not only is the spotlight then on the teacher, it helps them feel valued and respected in the work that they're doing and recognized, but it also is an opportunity for the leaders, for the lead learners, as we often call them, to really think back on How is this impacting student learning? Small changes that sometimes can make a huge impact on students. I think that's a really powerful nod to to why things are being so successful in Catawba. Well, I will say that in our district, the curriculum
0: specialist and the ITFs, gosh, it's, it's probably been about five years ago. We were working one afternoon with Ray Thompson, who's our beginning teacher director, and she really kind of pushed us to say, you know, how can we really make sure that we are working together for beginning teachers so that they don't see technology separate from curriculum. Mm -hmm. And so that was back in the day when we had a, you know, Friday afternoon, no one wanted face-to-face coaching, right? We would get together for one or two hours. We would bring our lunch and we would really try to collaborate as from the perspective of curriculum and technology to benefit those beginning teachers. But looking back, that was such a powerful time for us because I can't tell you how much that propelled me forward in my technology understanding and interest and my desire to grow but also all of my friends who are the technology facilitators their knowledge of curriculum really grew too so I honestly feel like teachers could call on either of us for either problem and everybody could help. Or if we don't have the exact answer, we know exactly, you know, which partner to call to say, help me out a
1: little bit. Learning and teaching is relational. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. About that period, about five years ago, where the the technology and the curriculum instruction, you know, collaboration just started to like the seeds were planted. And then you can kind of see how they grew as different people and, you know, came in at the leadership level and all that in a similar time frame at least in my mind i was got hired as an instructional technology facilitator fresh out of my masters program and with very little preconceived notion about what an itf was going to actually be so my idea was that it was instruction and technology not fixing printers yeah you know, things like that that it was you know and being really passionate about middle school science and standards and all that sort of stuff i really saw it in that light that all fed into the same thing of gradually moving that technology focus to an integrated approach. And the people involved were the key, you know, getting uh, talented, dedicated educators together and then really giving them that avenue to say, you know what, let's do this together. And instead of spinning our wheels over here and spinning our wheels over here, trying to learn everything, let's feed on to the strengths of um, each person in the group.
4: The ITFs have created an incredible uh, digital playground with tons and tons of resources, exemplars, um, training sessions, training videos for teachers to use.
3: Terry, how are you seeing online teachers collaborating?
4: The collaboration that we have seen um, with our learning team meetings has been incredible. So, you know, there are these one-hour meetings per month um, in that job-alike format, and the idea is really to provide that dedicated time for teachers to collaborate. So we keep every time a very simple agenda. We might um, spotlight an exemplar. We'll share a best practice around communication. We ask the curriculum folks to come and do one small curriculum focused area, and then the rest of the time within those learning team meetings is truly dedicated to teachers having that time to collaborate with each other. So we got this set up in breakouts. We're all together at the beginning for that simple agenda, and then we break apart into groups, and I usually just coordinate those groups. Google uh, Meets has recently added the Google Breakouts, which has made it a very simplistic process, so thanks to Google for that we do these kindergarten through eighth grade. For right now, we'll be adding high school the second semester. So we want to, you know, be specific because they are job alike. And when they go, there's specific tasks that they need to complete while they're together. So, for example, the very first time we met, teachers would add their teammates into their Google Classrooms. So they use Google Classrooms at the elementary level, uh, middle and high use combination of Google Classroom and Canvas they added each other to their learning management system. I asked them to take turns sharing their screens and then just walk each other through the process. So for the first month, we looked at how to navigate through your Google Classroom, for example, The idea is so that they're seeing what other folks are doing. They're sharing what's happening within their classroom so that they have that real peer review time and they can get ideas from one another. So that in and of itself has been probably the thing that we've received the most positive feedback about. You know, these are set up so that they're one-hour sessions. I think one of these meetings has actually ended on time. At one hour, I, I end the actual official time for the meeting, but teachers stay, and it's a complete teacher-led time from that point on. They, they stay, and they continue the peer review. They continue that process where they're sharing content. They're sharing resources. They're sharing strategies with each other. It's one of those true professional learning community environments that you're seeing teachers really starting to get excited about what they're able to accomplish when you've got two or three or four other teachers at the table helping you do the exact same thing that you're doing in your classroom. So it's really a divide and conquer kind of approach to a job alike, but it seems to be working really well. And I have to say, I'm just so proud of the teachers in Catawba County Schools because they have really taken to task the challenge of what it means to be online teachers. And they have grown so much. They've learned so much. And we will continue that process. We'll continue learning together and we'll continue you growing as a district through online learning.
3: So I understand that in Catawba County, teachers have access to these take and use slide decks. Some of them are around things like vocabulary and social emotional learning. Regina, can you talk a little bit more about what those are and how it works for your teachers? The Google Slides idea, actually, I got
0: from just watching what's happening on Facebook and Twitter. Everybody share, everybody's so generous right now, you know, It's and that's such a time saver. So I started um, pulling those together and curating what would be really good for different subject areas or really more which strategies, right? I actually presented at NC Bold. I pulled some of those together and organized them by... John Hattie's effects us. So, like, here's a slide deck that you could use just for summarizing, and here's one you could use just for vocabulary. So, m- most of these I don't even create myself. I um, have curated them from generous folks out there in from my PLN who said, "Sure, you can use it with with you know." I asked for permission, but they were like, "You know, hey, take take what you can because we're all in this together, right?" So they've been super generous in that way, and so we've ended up putting those on our teacher resource page. Just so that teachers won't have to go and create something that looks inviting for kids, but that they can just really quickly take away and say, "Oh gosh, okay." So on this first slide deck, I type in the directions, and then the uh, here's how I use it. They don't have to spend hours creating something that looks engaging for students. They can just pull it and and use that. So I've tried to incorporate those into each of my share sessions to offer teachers that those are already created for them. The share sessions, I've tried to have a focus, like one was social emotional learning, and then another one was vocabulary, that sort of thing. A high school that I'm working with is really trying to uh, put a hyper focus on John Hattie's work with, um, just what can I do in my classroom that's going to have more of an impact? So I did an opening PD with them maybe two hours long at the beginning of the school year to explain to them how to make choices based on what's going to have the largest impact. So if I have a choice between activity A or B, which has the research behind it to support it. So I followed up with them on the Fridays also at a different session, another 30 minute session that I just offer a slot. And they've decided, gosh, which one do I really want to focus on this year? And they are just attending that one. Now I have seen repeaters, like I started out with summarizing and I've done vocabulary and, and next Fridays is going to be on graphic organizers. But each of those contain a slide deck that they can use immediately with students in their digital environment using a strategy that they know has a high effect size. And I think just making that clear to teachers of, yes, you're doing great things. And here's something to help you continue doing that in a digital environment. Because I think sometimes making that transition can be scary for folks, you know, if they haven't done that before. And so I've just called those my Friday follow-ups for their PD. Because I often feel like we go to PD and it's one and done, right? It's, it's kind of like an immunization. It's just one shot. But it doesn't mean that you're going to get everything you need in that one time. We all need that follow-up so that we, one, keep it on our mind, but two, that we continue to hone and polish what we know about that topic.
3: You know, so much professional development this year tends to have been on building knowledge about a tool, but not necessarily something that I can take and implement within that tool. And I agree that there's a very overwhelming amount of content that comes out. If you sit through an hour of that and you get 20 ideas mm-hmm. in 60 minutes, it's really hard to pick the one that you want to take and use next week. So I really like how focused and targeted your examples are. And, and the idea too, that's a follow-up. It's a continuation. Now go planned because yeah.
0: Third part, I think when we sit through a a PD, then we have to plan what does it look like in my class. So I think our team works really hard to provide. Here's a template. Here's something that you can take, put your information in it, and then use it with kids. Because what if you did all of that tough work and then you didn't like it? You know, so at least you didn't have to do all the tough work. You could just take that template. Try it with a class or two and then tweak it from there. So I think it's all about time. And I think that's one of the big things I got from reading so much of John Hattie's work is that you've got only so much time in the day and I can choose how to spend that. I can choose spending building and don't get me wrong. Bitmoji classrooms are beautiful and I love them, but they have no instructional value, but they could help teachers be more organized, right? Which I think our teachers are using them to be more organized. They are using them to be inviting and organized, right? So just, just creating the Bitmoji classroom isn't enough. You've got to use it for a purpose. And so I think um, sometimes we get caught up in the pretty of things and not in the research of things. We are very fortunate. I think I hear a lot of districts who don't have the resources at our level, the teacher resources. And because I know I'm still, I'm still a teacher. I'm still classified as a teacher, but I have the great benefit of, of learning so much and being able to work with with classroom teachers and actually, I mean, it's still going into classrooms and I think I'm worried that too many districts are given those types of positions up because I think that's job embedded professional development is where true change really happens. A job embedded lets it be in the classroom and it lets it be ongoing. It's not just a one-time presenter that you, that you pay for and they're gone, right? It's somebody that your district knows that teachers can come back to time and time again and even can come in the classroom and do it with their students can use that strategy or that process with kids and I know both the ITFs and the curriculum specialists in our district are in classrooms daily.
3: Well that goes I think it's a two-way street right so not only is the teacher feeling that extra support of embedded professional learning but then the person like you or an ITF that's going into the classroom gets to learn and see how these strategies are working with students. You know, that's one of the things that I think gets left out of the equation a lot of times is that when you are only talking to teachers outside the classroom, you're missing the impact. You're missing, you're you're hoping (laughs) that that will tether back and, and impact student learning, but it's not a guarantee, unlike being in the classroom seeing if something works and if it doesn't work, right? And how to adjust course. And I just think that's incredibly powerful. What do you hope post-pandemic PD looks like for teachers?
0: I think the whole idea of choice and passion is important because I know for me, my own professional growth, I feel like I've been able through Twitter, through virtual meetings, through webinars, I've been able to pursue my own passion areas and become better at what I think I need to be better at. And so I think by first of all, letting teachers know that there's all these avenues out there that you can go and pursue your own passion like I have through the whole digital world that's out there. That's a, one great benefit. And I don't think that's going away because I think tons of places are offering virtual PD free for teachers and that they can, It as long as they know about it, then they can go and pursue those types of things. But in our own district, I think post-pandemic, we're going to have this great library of um, choices for teachers. Like I already know we have a a small library started. Our PD director, Ray Thompson, has already created this whole web page where teachers can go and select what they want to participate in. It's, It's links to all of these Canvas classes and Google Classroom classes that we created this past summer. And that's only going to grow. And I think that's the most awesome thing because like, hey, you're having trouble differentiating in a digital world. We'll go over here and join this Google Classroom. There's four sessions that you can learn more about how to differentiate. And I've gotten emails from teachers who will say, you know, I'm halfway through. Are you going to close it yet? And I'm like, no, I'm going to leave it open all school year so you can work at your own pace. And that I feel like is going to be a great model for Teachers, when they think about, gosh, I'm able to pursue my own passion and my own area where I feel like I am i need some support, my students need that as well. So it's a great model for teachers to be able to pass along to kids. But I also don't think as humans, we can pass it along until we've experienced it ourselves. And that's why I feel like it's really important for our district to continue that, to offer it to teachers, because they've got to see it and experience it before they can teach it and use it.
4: My hope for post-pandemic professional development would be um, it's going to look a lot less like the set and get professional development and look more like what I explain with our learning team meetings, where teachers are able to have some dedicated time to just collaborate with one another. You know, have that real true sense of what it is to be in a professional learning community you know, based on what their needs are, what they think they need to learn, what they know they need to learn more about, and from other teachers who are living that practice live at the same time that they are. And perhaps even, you know, teachers who have been down this path before who can share in more of a mentor type of an environment. So, I still think it's important to have a structure where you have someone who can help lead this process, guide the process for teachers, but at the same time, the real value of the learning comes from their peers and what they're able to accomplish together for their students who are all, you know, we're all in this together and we're all learning from one another. So, those are, that's what I hope for post-pandemic PD. I hope it looks a little bit more like learning team meetings and less like set and get.
1: I feel like you are doing what has frustrated me no frustrated I'm not quite sure what the right word is for a long time, which is knowing that there's a gold mine in all of these Google drives, mm-hmm. and somehow, if we could just get that out and put it into a place where it was accessible and shareable, and you know this this uh, choice p d. website and these shared Google folders, all of those things are helping to really use technology in a way that is going to make things more efficient. And, you know, the whole smarter, not harder thing, if there's a plus to this whole situation, it would be that more teachers now are seeing that and they see it because of need. And they just, you just can't do everything right now. There's just too much. I I think what you guys are doing and how you're supporting the entire district with this is amazing.
0: Our um, science curriculum specialist recently gave the example at a principal meeting of two science teachers collaborating at one of our local high schools. They came together at the beginning of the school year and one teacher said, you know what? I'm great with technology. And another teacher said, well, I'm great at entertaining and and making it applicable to kids because they crack up every time I present this problem. And so they've gotten together and they even create videos for their students together. And um, they have cut the workload in half because you've got someone who knows the video and the technology side and how to get it ready to present to kids. And you've got someone who has a really hook for every unit that he teaches. um, It's amazing. I just, I think if we can keep getting those examples out to folks, that they can see that collaborating and sharing is a good thing. You know, the kids are getting the best of both teachers or all three teachers that are working together. That's the important thing is that in the, in the end, what kind of support are our students getting that's going to make it a little easier for them?
3: And it just loops right back to personalized learning. Like, let's play to each other's strengths and come together and and make things better. Again, that strong, solid foundation that's there with personalized learning, I think, feeds into so much of what you all are doing.
2: We finish podcast PDNC episodes with a spark of an idea so you can take what you learned and launch it into your practice. One of the resounding messages of this podcast is the importance of personalized learning and that goes for you too. You likely aren't listening to this podcast if you don't already believe in self-selecting your professional learning. So maybe this isn't a big nudge for you. But the launch we hope you take from this episode is to personalize your PD. If that's new in your district, find out how you can earn CEUs through your own choices. Then create that opportunity for others. If you are a PD provider, tweak your platform to include personalized opportunities embedded throughout the learning experience. And remember, we want to hear from you. Tell us about how you are personalizing PD, or even better, how the Innovative Learning Catalyst could improve PD to be more personalized. What would be most effective for you? We hope you enjoyed listening to the ways that personalized learning has bled into professional learning in Catawba County. Thanks to Regina, Terry, and Stacy for sharing these insights with us.
3: Podcast PDNC. It's not sit and
1: get,
2: it's listen and launch. Thanks for listening to Podcast PDNC. We'd love to feature your ideas and expertise on a future episode. To contribute and to find out more information, please check out our website at bit.ly forward slash podcastpdnc. That's bit.ly forward slash podcast pdnc podcast pdnc was written recorded and produced by the ncdpi digital teaching and learning innovative learning catalysts molly Holloman, stacy lovedall and chris bennick it is available through our website through anchor.fm and through spotify with more platforms to come soon The sound effects used in this episode were taken from the BBC Sound Effects Library, which can be found at bbcsfx.acropolis.org.uk. Thanks for joining us, and we do look forward to hearing from you.